This is the Marsh and Matt Show with Marshall Kellner and Matt Gallivan. Welcome to another episode of the Marsh and Matt Show. I'm Marshall Kellner. Have Matt Gallivan with us here as well. A day in front of the Minnesota Vikings game against the Miami Dolphins down in South Beach. A little chilly up here already in early October. We already had our first snow. Um, so a good time for the Vikings to get some heat uh, down in Miami and hopefully stay hot, win their fourth straight, go to five and one at the bye. That all sounds beautiful. Uh, we haven't had an episode in a couple of weeks, Matt, because of uh, some busy schedule <laughs> conflicts uh, for both of us. But uh, glad to talk with you here today. Uh, we are going to post this episode later today. And uh, we're going to get into some twins talk actually later in the show because have some interesting uh, some interesting topics to bring up, including Carlos Correa opting out this week, as we kind of all knew was going to happen, but staying saying he's interested in remaining in Minnesota. Um, also, the twins retaining their entire coaching staff without, but with the exception of the head athletic trainer Michael Salazar. We'll talk about all that and more later. But first, let's get into this Vikings. Dolphins game, a chance to go. It's it still seems funny to say it five and one because they've had three weeks in a row now where they've been tooth and nail to pull it out at the end. They've made enough plays to do it, kind of in contrast to last year when they had a ton of close losses. Right now, they're finding ways to win close games. It's frustrating at times that they can't seem to put some of these mediocre to bad teams away. But ultimately, the lead story is they're four and one, going for five and one at the bat. Yeah, if if we said that this is the position they were going to be in at the start of the season, uh, at this point, you would have taken it every single time. And you know, the breaks are not always going to go your way. You're not going to win every single close game. Uh, but this is what we hoped would be different. And this is why a lot of people thought we should try and run it back with a lot of the same pieces and new coaching staff is because if you just improved a little bit in some of these close games, you could be a playoff team, but they're improving a lot in these close games. And I, you know, I don't think it's just getting lucky or returning to the, the mean about, you know, you know, with wins and losses in these close games, they are executing at the end. We were at the Detroit game together. They, you know, it, it was not looking so great there. Uh, you know, at the end, Detroit, you know, played into their hands a little bit, but they found a way to score when they needed to. They've called uh, some great plays uh, in key positions and then executed when they needed to. Kirk has been near perfect at the end of games. The offensive line where in previous years, you know, how many times did we watch and they said, okay, here's the opportunity to have a last-minute drive and, and win this game. Would you get a sack on a first or second down at the beginning of the drive where now you're dealing with a second and 20, a third and 20? And that you, those are low uh, probabilities of executing, low odds. And so this team is just looking different at the end. Yes, the offense still tends to go a little stagnant in the middle. Um, yes, they're still learning the, the plays and, and getting out the kinks. Yes, the defense gives up too many yards, but it is very much a bend-don't-break approach. And 
you got to be excited with where this team is at this point of the year, uh, looking ahead, and it just feels different. Well, and and the thing is, for those who are going to be negative, I, I just don't understand how you could be negative right now. <laughs> um, if they had found a way to lose these games, then you'd say, well, they, they could have put these teams away earlier. And they Bottom line, especially early in the year, it does not matter how you get there as long as you bank these wins. Because, you know, in all likelihood, now I do think there's a chance Green Bay could implode here. If they lose to the Jets, I, I just think ever since LaFleur didn't let Rodgers go for it on the fourth down in the NFC title game against Brady a couple years ago, there's been some mistrust there between Rodgers and LaFleur. But, you know, you've got to imagine the Packers are going to be right on your heels or, you know, tied with you or a little ahead of you all year. Um, we talked about how important that was to get that week one win, as the Vikings did their best performance so far the year dominant win over green Bay. It was so important to get that to start ahead and make the Packers chase you all year. And so far that's exactly what's happened. Now green Bay got a couple very close wins in there as well. They went to Tampa and won. Um, they had a very close victory against Zappi and the new England Patriots um, in Lambeau field. They almost blew that game um, overtime. win. So, but then they, and then they finally did blow a game against the New York Giants. They were up by two touchdowns in that game in London. Had to be a very long trip back. If they somehow find a way to lose to the Jets, who did just put up 40 on Miami last week, if the Packers lose to the Jets at Lambeau, things could be very interesting very quickly in Green Bay. But you have to imagine they'll take care of business. They're going to be on your heels all year. And the bottom line is the Vikings are finding ways to win games. And if you look at their next three games, this one at Miami, you find a way to get this one. You go into the bye, you self-correct. I think the bye would come at the perfect time for the Vikings with this new regime, a chance to self-scout and then come back. And you're home against Arizona, very winnable. And at Washington, Kirk's first trip back there since joining the Vikings, also very winnable. You would be 7-1. and one. That's the same record the 98 Vikings had and the 2017 Vikings had. 9 and 2017, their last two trips to the NFC title game. Now, are these, is this team similar to the – no. Each of these three teams are different. But they're just scratching the surface right now of what they could be. Kirk's yards per attempt – are his lowest in quite some time, maybe of his career. He's down in the bottom third of yards per attempt. And I think that's partly on Kirk. You've, you've heard him after games say he wishes he would have taken some more deep shots. He needs to push the game down, ball down the field. He said that after the London game in a very transparent press conference. Um, and then we saw also one time when he did try to push it down the field against Chicago last week, he throws an interception. C.J. Ham was wide open in the flat. He tried to force it into Thielen. Um, and J.J. was wide open on that play as well. So he's still not totally clicking in this offense. But like you, to your great point that you made, when he has to do it, he is. And you talk about a 17-play, seven-minute drive when they converted, I think, five or six third downs on that drive including a gutsy, gutsy run that may not have looked pretty, but Kirk knew exactly where the sticks were, dove, 
and got that first down. A massive play in that game. They get the two-point conversion. They get the QBC. I mean, that drive was per- sheer perfection at the absolute time they needed to do it. And then defensively, too. They're making big plays when they need to. But they're allowing, they've allowed red zone touchdowns in the last six trips to the red zone. However, at the same time, they've only allowed 13 trips to the red zone all year through the first five games. So it's like this weird thing where like some things are going not well at all. They're allowing too many rushing yards. Like you said, they're allowing too many yards overall. But then you have Cam Dantzler two weeks in a row. People, of course, remember the strip last week that won them the game and clinched it. But, and by the way, I think if Chicago had scored there, they were going to go for two to win the game. I think that would have been the right move, and they probably would have done it, um, at least gone for it. I mean, uh, But Cam made the great play last week. How about the week before, though, when New Orleans ended up having the double doink? Right before that, they tried to go deep down the left sideline with Olave, and Cam Dantzler made a fantastic play, avoided pass interference. We're starting to see a guy who came up small in big spots completely flipped that script. Remember, Cam Dantzler, what are you doing? PA's famous call from the Seattle game in Seattle, his rookie year on Monday Night Football in the COVID year. Uh, he blew that coverage with DK Metcalf on a fourth down. He he uh, was horrible against uh, Charlotte, or against uh, the Carolina Panthers last year in Charlotte, letting Robbie Anderson go out of bounds a couple times and, and let the Panthers force overtime in that game. And then the Vikings won with cage. So Cam had come up pretty small in big spots. How about that play though? The last two weeks, those plays, but last week he gets stiff armed by Amir Smith. Marset seemed pissed about it. And instead of lying on the ground, gets up and strips the ball away from a good friend of his to seal the game. I mean, you're, you're and, and you're seeing turnovers too. Dalvin Tomlinson's strip sack against New Orleans. The interception week one by Harrison Smith against Rodgers. The strip sack and the recovery against Rodgers as well. Even in the Philadelphia game, they had the blocked field goal. They had the, the, uh, the interception by Jordan Hicks against his former team. So you're seeing glimpses. Um, also, really strange. I think our friend Joe Spinoza tweeted this out this week. The Vikings are like second from the bottom in the league in quarterback hits. And they ha- yet they have Daniil Hunter, who's still learning his way in this defense. Zadaria Smith has been mostly great. DJ Wanham has played very well in this defense, similar system to the one he did in college. But there's so much more potential there with the pass rushers they have to change some things up and get more pressure on the quarterback. And then, of course, we know offensively the potential's there. With, you know, they haven't run the ball as effectively, but, you know, Dalvin last week looked great, looked great against Detroit as well. To me, they're just scratching the surface of the team they can be. And if by the time they get to like that Buffalo game and are hopefully seven and one leading into that game with three wins and the bye coming up, you don't want to look too far ahead. But I mean, that would be huge. I mean, so, so there's a lot of potential for this team and you don't need to be peaking in October. Well, one thing I want to say about the defense, as you said, is, you know, it, it, it's exactly that where they're still transitioning to this new system. 
and learning their new roles and, and how they do it differently as a pass rusher. And I, so I think the pressure will be better. And they've also not brought as much pressure yeah. as I think a lot of us would have hoped. And I honestly think, and, and I'm not as, you know, in depth of an X's and O's guys as, as some of, you know, the other, you know, folks out there. But to me, they're, you know, they're playing a lot of, you know, too deep safety. And I think part of that is a function of, we know Patrick Peterson is one of the best to ever do it but he's definitely getting older and his speed is not quite there. And Danzler's still been a work in progress. And so I think they've, they've been trying to, you know, provide a little bit more help to those guys rather than, you know, mixing up fronts and bringing more pressure. But I, it will be interesting to see, you know, as Danzler to your point has been getting, you know, better and energized and showing that he can be more of a playmaker you know, and, and some of these other young, you know, Caleb Evans and others are able to mix in as well and learn from Peterson. How does that, you know, enable Donatel to maybe bring a little bit more pressure here or there, get, you know, especially if Daniil is able, you know, as he's learned, you know, this this new uh, scheme a little bit more, you know, starts really, you know, getting the pressure on. So that's one thing I'm hoping for and looking for in these coming weeks. Um, you know, I'd say the other things that you, you quickly touched on, you know, just three. One, one thing, little... one thing quickly in response to that pressure, I think they need some more middle pressure too. Tomlinson oh, totally. and Tomlinson's probably been their best defensive player. Honestly, if you look by any metrics or, or just watch the game, I mean, Tomlinson's yeah, playing out of his 100%. skin and Harrison Phillips has been very good as well, but they need some more middle pressure. Um, and, and that'll help the edge guys too, but go on. Totally agree. Uh, but three little fun stats that I've, um, you know, or, or data-focused tidbits that I heard that I think can tell you where the season is at. Um, so I believe uh, I'm pulling it up up here. So one was uh, Phil Mackey, who had been a, a Kirk hater, but he tweeted this out. He said, since the beginning of the 2021 NFL season, Cousins has racked up six official fourth quarter comebacks no other QB has more so Kirk is winning these games for us and there could have been a lot more I mean and that tells you when he's getting the opportunities he's executing even if he's not been perfect with the new scheme in the middle of you know of the games that is a good sign for Vikings fans uh another stat was of all of the players that Aaron Rodgers has thrown a touchdown pass to 502 touchdown passes in his career. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mercedes I know what you're Lewis say. is the only yeah. former first round pick to ever catch a touchdown pass from Rodgers. That that I think to your point about the potential implosion I, and and Green Bay losing in in that's a one one good argument that Rodgers might be the best to ever do it. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, it shows you that with all yeah, to, you know, I, he's he's so good. It's tough to win in the NFL. It's very tough to go to London and win. It's tough to go there and come back and win. So for all the haters of the Vikings right now, they went and did that when the Packers couldn't. And where Aaron, I think, is getting really frustrated and where the wheels could come off is it just says, like, give me some help. I can only do so much. And, and that frustration clearly is starting to seep in. And they stopped so, running. They stopped running the ball in that Giants game. They were averaging yeah. a bunch of yards per carry. They have maybe the best two-headed monster rushing attack in the league. Vikings are close too, but Green Bay is awfully good. 
and they stopped using it. Yeah. The last thing I'll say, because this is just fun, is if there's any doubt about how much of a shit show the Washington Commanders are right now, if Vikings, t- t- if, if Vikings fans would like to go see the Vikings, Falcons, and Browns all play the Washington Commanders, it'll only cost you 99 bucks, and you'll get a $10 Safeway coupon. So what? Yes, they're offering a three-game deal and a ten-dollar gift card to Safeway for ninety-nine bucks right now. That's how much. So when you're talking about the game, but the Viking game isn't in that package. The the Vikings game is in that package. Oh, it is. It's one of the three games. If you want to go, you know. So the point being that, like, we might need to serious. You used to live in that area. We may need to consider going. Yeah, so they're they're getting maybe potentially a little lucky too with the schedule with the commanders being so awful where they can't get fans to travel, quarterbacks being injured like Tua right now. They got to take advantage of this to really keep the pressure on the Packers and position themselves. But I don't, for people who are saying, oh, it could have gone the other way, but it didn't. And normally with the Vikings, it goes the other way. So we just have to be very happy. And as not even said, normally with the Vikings in the NFL, most games are close. Yeah, like it's tough to win, and and and, and you know this is it's starting to piss me off how like people are nitpicking, and also you know Mike Florio, I really like Mike Florio. I, I think he's smart. Uh, former lawyer. I'm going to law school, so I'm biased there. Um, but uh, but he, he's he's a he's a really smart guy. Really interesting coverage. But he was a Vikings fan growing up. And he comes on Paul Allen's show this last week and is like, I won't trust this team. They've lost, they've lost seven straight NFC title games. They haven't ever proven they can do it. So until they prove up, it's like, dude, the the 01 NFC title game against the Giants, most of the people on this team weren't even alive or were very young when that happened. I mean, you've got to be kidding me with some of the this is like this. This self-defeating prophecy of a lot of Vikings fans, and I understand it. I can't say I had to go through four Super Bowl losses. That probably would have scarred me for life, too. But come on. Allow yourself to get a little emotionally invested and excited about a new regime that couldn't give one you-know-what about past Vikings history. They just want to win the Super Bowl with this version of the Minnesota Vikings and Kevin O'Connell is off to a great start and setting a great winning culture. That matters too. I heard Chad Greenway on the Friday football feast on KFAN yesterday. Chad Greenway made a great point. When you're in the locker room, it's just, did you win or did you lose? And especially early on with a new coach, that winning attitude, people are much looser. Uh, When you start losing, you know, two, three games in a row, people get tight. They start worrying about their jobs. The owner starts coming around. But when you're winning, no matter how it's done, it's loose and it builds a winning culture. You expect to win, especially with a new coach in town. And really, I think, what, did they keep one coach, Keenan McCardell, from the previous staff, maybe one other? And and they did keep a lot of scouts, but they're not in the locker room on an everyday basis. Kevin O'Connell's building something and that's another reason why banking these wins early on, not only in the season, but in his tenure, is key. This is the last thing I'll say, and I know we got moved to the Twins, but 
if you're if you're trying to compare the Vikings at their best to the Chiefs or the Bills, no. If if Josh Allen or Patrick right. Mahomes play at the absolute best of their games, you cannot beat them. That's fine. But you might not get them at their best. And the NFC is wide open right now. The, 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 all of the teams there have You don't have to beat Allen loss. and Mahomes and, and Burrow to get to the Super Bowl. Yeah, you might have to beat one of them. You might. Did, 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 did the NFC, whoever was going to win the NFC last year, did they think it was going to have to be Burrow who they beat? No. They probably thought it was going to be Allen or Mahomes. And guess what? It wasn't. They faced each other in the playoffs. Kansas City had that crazy comeback, beat them, and then Cincinnati beat Kansas City. So not to say Burrow isn't a great quarterback, but it, especially his second year in the league, I think the Rams were happier to face him than Mahomes or Josh Allen. So like to your point, the most of the elite quarterbacks are right now in the AFC. The NFC is wide open. Yes, I know the Eagles are undefeated and they, you know, cleaned our clocks, but I still uh think but it's that early. It's early. It's early, and I still don't trust Jalen Hurts, you know, yes. And remember Arizona really well. last I think Arizona was seven and oh last year. Yep. So I think everything seems to be going the Vikings way right now. Let's hope they, you know, keep it up. There are gonna be there are gonna be disappointment pointing games like the Eagles game. That's gonna happen. But there is a great opportunity, and this team still needs to click more on both sides of the ball, and I think they will. And when that happens, and I believe it will happen, they will be a dangerous team. They will make the playoffs, and they will be a dangerous team. And I think I said 12 wins, and you said 11. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. That's got a very legit chance of happening with this 4-1 and start. Very, very legit chance. Uh, it's with the start and with what's upcoming. I totally exactly, agree. Exactly. And, and then you have games later in the year. Like remember going into the year, everyone thought the Indianapolis Colts were going to be a really tough game. That's not looking so daunting. <laughs> now, does the New York giants look a little more daunting? Maybe, but are they a flash in the pan? I guess we'll see by the time we play them on Christmas Eve. So it's it's just fascinating right now uh, to to watch how this team is developing, and uh, I'm loving it. I'm loving it, and uh, I'm ready for uh, the bye week. Although, you know, once the bye week comes, I just hate it because then you're really itching to to watch the Vikings again. But it will be good uh, for all of our uh, heart health to uh, to have a week off, and uh, hopefully they can beat Miami tomorrow first. Um, again, we're recording this Saturday, right before the Vikings and Dolphins on Sunday noon central. All right, let's move on. We have not talked to Minnesota twins in quite some time, sadly, because they had one of the worst September collapses um, in recent baseball history, really not just twins history. That was, they started the month. I think it was September 4th. They were tied for first place. They finished 14 games behind the Cleveland guardians in the American league central Cleveland Guardians right now tied with the, the Yankees 1-1 in that division series. They, I thought they'd give the Yankees a run for their money. Uh, first of all, I thought they'd beat Tampa Bay, and they did. And uh, their closer right now, Emmanuel Classe, who pitched two and a third shutout innings in the Bronx, he's the best reliever in baseball. 
right now. He was all season, and he is right now. And if there's one guy who's not afraid of the New York Yankees come playoff time, it's one Terrence Francona. Uh, he, he's, I think... He's been there time, before, I think. Yeah, down 3 nothing when he was Boston's manager? Yes, yes. Broke the curse of the Bambino, won two World Series there. Yeah, he's all right. Um, almost beat the Chicago Cubs in the World Series a few years ago. When the Cubs broke their curse, Cleveland was trying to break a long curse. And now they'll have they'll have an opportunity to do so with a team that's gotten really hot and has the right ingredients. Maybe not enough power. We'll see. But they have the right ingredients to make a deep run here um, and uh, have every chance to beat the Yankees. Um, so the Yankees, Yankees obviously have the likely MVP and Aaron Judge, but uh, but it's going to be going to be interesting to watch. As for the Twins. I wanted to get to this because we we found out this week a couple of pieces of news that I teased at the top of the show. One, Carlos Correa opting out. Everybody knew that was coming. We knew that was coming when he signed the contract, pretty much. Unless he was suffered a huge injury, he was going to opt out. He did. He also said he wants to try to see if he can work something out with the Twins. He loves Minnesota. His wife, his kid loves Minnesota. Okay. Then, also another piece of news. The we already knew Rocco Baldelli was coming back. Falvey said that, and then Dave St. Peter, the president, said Derek Falvey was coming back. So we knew GM, we knew managers coming back. Then it's announced the rest of the coaching staff is coming back. The only member of the staff to depart, Michael Salazar, the head athletic trainer, was relieved of his duties. Now Derek Falvey said, you know, he doesn't want to pin all the blame on Salazar for all the injuries. But clearly, they need to do something different injury-wise. It's not Some things are just bad luck. You can't control it. But the last two years have been miserable on the injury front, especially soft tissue stuff. Guys not coming back as quickly as they were projected to from the injured list. And this year, they had over 2,000 games missed by guys on the injured list, second most in all of baseball. And they were at number one for most of the year. So something's got to change there. Um, that clearly to me was the biggest problem with the twins this year, but running it back with all the same staff suggests to me that at least the mentality from up top is they don't just think it's like one of many problems. They think by far the biggest problem was the injuries and some bad luck. And if they just run it back with some, with some, you know, some minor tweaks here, they're going to compete in the central. I don't know if that's enough. What do you think? Uh, I think you said it well. It's not necessarily the trainer's fault per se, but you know something had to be changed there. The one thing I'll say about keeping most of the staff and you pay attention to the nuances. I heard a lot of criticism of the third base coach and some of the you know decisions. Yeah, Tommy. Tommy had a rough year. Yeah, you can't sugarcoat that. No, but what I will say is, when we had talked about this off air. we both agreed the idea of just finding a few fall guys that were, you know, the, not the manager and, you know, not the GM uh, was not appealing. And that would have been the easy thing to do. So from a coaching staff perspective, I'm glad that they're not just picking a few fall guys and, and, and pretending that, you know, that would solve it because the reality is, is that Rocco didn't get it done this year and Falvey didn't get it done this year. And, their whole approach um, that is driven almost entirely by analytics 
proved very problematic this year. And the tendency to pull starting pitching who was doing very well mid-game raised serious questions. The continued inexplicably reliance on bringing Emilio Pagan into the game when he was terrible did not work and was it was just atrocious. The whole handling of the Buxton injury was mystifying. And what it raises to me is, you know, this team, if they run it back, and I don't think they will, um, with the same players, it, that will not work. There's going to be a changing of a guard, though. I think that um, obviously Sano is is going to be gone. He was gone most of this year. I think that they're going to have to part with some of these other folks that just aren't getting it done. Um, you know, people like Kepler. I, you know, that I know is a team friendly deal, but we've been waiting for him to get back, and he's just by all metrics hasn't been good. And they've got too many other young guys they need to try. Um, there's some other reclamation folks that they've tried. The bullpen's clearly a mess. Um, you know, Buxton needs to get healthy and, and stay healthy, and there are questions there. Um, but I think the biggest thing that has been exposed, um, I'm glad that Maeda will be back, and hopefully he'll be back in Cy Young-type form, and that would help. I, I think they need to re-sign Correa. He's just too good of, of a leadership, yeah. and he's a great performer. But the last thing I would say is, for God's sake, we've been saying this for years, the Guardians are the perfect contrast, and this is what you have to do if you're a small market club. Fix the starting pitching. You can find a way to string a few runs together and, and, and better yet, score a bunch of runs like the Yankees. But if you can't do both, if you don't have good starting pitching, you don't have a chance in the playoffs, and it's going to be hard day in and day out to win enough games in the regular season. So resign Correa, but fix the starting pitching along with Maeda coming back. What say yeah, you? Yeah, uh, well, that's good that you mentioned that because it's a good segue into what I was going to say first. And it does have to do with starting pitching, but I put a little different spin on it. Um, yeah, in the playoffs, you need good starting pitching. You also need a deeper bullpen than they've had. You also need... I'm not so concerned about the four and five starters in the postseason, but if you don't have good enough four and five starters in the regular season, you ain't getting to the postseason, And that is exactly the problem the last two years. If you look at, and this is where Falvey has to look in the mirror. If you look at the, they were coming off two straight division titles after 2020. Now the 2021, we know it was the COVID year. A lot of weird stuff happened there, but the bottom line is two straight playoff appearances, two straight division titles. Their moves in the starting pitching staff coming into 2021 were to sign Jay Happ and Matt Shoemaker, both colossal failures. Just <laughs> nothing, nothing against that. Um, it just worked. You're 100 right. Neither, neither of them, awful. neither of them made it through the season. Shoemaker was released, and Happ was traded to the St. Louis Cardinals how they got anything for him is beyond me, but <laughs> I'll give Falvey credit there. Um, I'll also give Falvey a lot of credit in the best trade they've made since they've come in. And that is Nelson Cruz and Calvin Fauché, a buddy of mine um, sat behind me on the bus for, for a full year in 2019 in Fort Myers. Good dude made his major league debut this year with the Rays. Um, but that was a good move. 
Nelson Cruz and Calvin for Joe Ryan. And Drew Strotman, Strotman's no longer a member of the Twins organization, but he was the clear B piece in that deal. Joe Ryan is going to be in this rotation for many years to come. That was an outstanding move. Full credit to Falvey there. But you look at the starting, so I said, happened Shoemaker last year. This year, Bundy and Archer. Didn't work. Did not work. And if you look, I don't have it right in front of me right now, but the Twins record in non-Bundy, in, in games not started by Bundy and Archer was way above 500, and the games started by Bundy and Archer was well below 500. And also, inexplicably, they often had those two going back-to-back. -back. Now, tell me how that makes any sense. And you can, you can arrange that so that doesn't happen. Tell me how that makes any sense when you refuse to let Dylan Bundy go a third time through the order, somewhat justifiable. I'm not going to say that's it. Now, there were a few times when he was rolling when they clearly should have let him go deeper into the game, especially in a mid-June regular season game. But they then, so they would pull Bundy early with 64 pitches after five. And then you know Archer, because of how they were trying to keep him healthy, was going to go four innings the next day, and your bullpen's toast. Your bullpen's absolutely toast, and you don't have your best guys then for the following games. So uh, the, the planning there, honestly, if you want to see a full analysis that I think was pretty much spot on from start to finish, read the column by Chip Scoggins in the Minneapolis Star Tribune near the end of the season, and he's, he's tough. I'm not going to say it's not. He, he takes some people to task. Balvi, Levine, Rocco, the management, you know, a lot of people. But I don't think any of it's unfair. And they do need to look themselves in the mirror and say, analytics are fine. Analytics are important. But we need to, we need to get the human aspect of the game a little more a part of this team. Um, so that's one thing. They need to change how they manage games. This is not sustainable long-term um, especially when you're going against a guy like Francona who's just a clinician um, and then I would say acquisitions wise I totally agree on Correa if you if you are ever going to hand out a huge mega deal it's to this guy he's 28 years old he's a fantastic leader you want to see an elite baseball mind watch his analysis on the TBS postgame show of the of the of the new age statistics when he was with Curtis Granderson and Jimmy Rollins and Pedro Martinez the other day. Outstanding. I mean, just look that up on YouTube. Correa is so smart and he's such a leader, so well-respected, such a winner. His performance in September, he was mainly the only guy who came to play in September, seemingly on the whole team. He was, now, did he have a elite year? No. He had too many lulls. Like in July, I think he had under 200. That, you can't have that. But overall, you look at his season, it was spectacular. And, and, and his defense is spectacular. If you're going to give one big deal, it's to Carlos Correa. One quick point to that. I totally agree. The other thing is, assuming Buxton is healthy and playing at Buxton levels to his talent, you need someone like Correa protecting him in the lineup. And then, yeah. and then you have Louis Arias at the top. 
because otherwise they're going to pitch around Buxton. He's not going to get good as good a pitch as they hit. You see this over and over in baseball. You and he's not stealing as much as they used to, so they're not as averse to walking him. They'd rather yeah. have a walk than a bomb, and he had so a lot of bombs. Need, you need if you made since you made the investment in Buxton, you need someone around him as well to protect his bat, assuming he's healthy, uh, to get those good pitches that he can drive. You know, and and Correa's the best option he could possibly get, and he's good at getting on base and the Adarias. Those three, that's a great investment for a team. Yeah, they yeah. No, no doubt. Congrats to Louis Arias as well on that batting title. Couldn't happen to a better guy. Awesome, awesome individual. Um, and an amazing hitter. Um, he may win some more batting titles, but I I, I think, you know, so yeah. But do I think they'll sign Correa? No, I don't. I think he's going to get uh, uh, over $300 million, maybe maybe close to 350 I don't think the Twins will come close enough that Correa will give them any sort of discount. Um, you know, I, I just don't think that's going to happen. You look at his comments after the season, pretty telling. Um, I think he would like to come back to Minnesota, and I think the Twins would like to have him back, but I don't think they will pony up enough money to do so. Hope I'm wrong there. Um, and then if they don't, they need to find a solution until Royce Lewis is ready to go probably by June, hopefully, and, and hopefully he's able to stay healthy. But they need better health, obviously, from Alex Kirilov, who's so talented when he's out there but hasn't been able to be out there enough. Trevor Larnick, he missed a lot of the season, so talented as well. I mean, they have a lot of good young hitters. And and my, I'll end on this, a little point of optimism. I don't think they'll be required to sign guys like Bundy and Archer this year because they have so much young pitching on the cusp. Uh, when you're talking about Josh Winder, when you're talking about Simeon Woods Richardson, who debuted the last week of the year, when you're when you're talking about uh, you know Joe Ryan being in that rotation, Sonny Gray is still there, and to my Ada, like you mentioned, coming back, um, they have Jordan Belazovic in the wings, who had a rough year for the most part at St. Paul, but ended well. Um, They've got a healthy Bailey Ober, maybe, you know, Bailey Ober, but I I just don't trust that he's able to stay healthy. Unfortunately, very talented went out there, but has never stayed healthy enough long for long parts of the year in the minors or majors, but we're running out of time. We're going to be kicked off our recording here. So we have to end it right there. Skull bikes tomorrow in Miami. And uh, we'll hopefully talk to you for the five and one Vikings team and uh, go twins this off season for Matt. I'm Marshall. See ya.